back to hour three. Stokely and Nate today. We're rocking with you for four hours. We started at 10. We're going till two. And in 15 minutes, we're going to have Stokely's first, no, not his first ever radio partner, but one of his radio partners before he found Zach, Charles C.J. Johnson, host of the Black and Gold Weekly Podcast on DenverSports.com. He's going to join us. Talk about the bars. How about that? That's cool. They play uh, what is tomorrow. (sighs) Wow. Here we go. Here we go. Buckle up. Some answers. Finally, some answers, yes, right? right? Yeah. It's, that is, that's what I love about sports, man. Like, you're going to have an answer to the thing you've been talking about. That's right. Like, you know, everyone can have an opinion and everyone can tell some, someone else they're stupid for thinking what they think about the thing. But eventually the thing is going to reveal itself. That's right. That's why we love sports. That's it. The real world ain't always like that. No, it's not. You argue about something and there's never any result. There's never a game at the end of it to prove right. who was right. You know what I'm saying? In sports, there is. In sports, there is. That's why we talk them every day. Uh, but before the break, Brandon Stokely, I asked you because you played for a lot of teams. You got two Super Bowl rings. I don't see you wearing them a lot, though. You don't wear them around and like no. hold your hand by your face, like, oh, uh, what is this on my oh, hand? It's a Super Bowl oh. ring. Oh, no, I don't. which I appreciate about you. Okay, okay, I appreciate that. You're humble. You. Two different Super Bowl champion teams and some other awesome teams you were on with some of the greatest coaches of all time. In, in the NFL, what was the best kind of working environment that you were around between the coach, the front office, and the ownership? Yeah, it seemed to me that um, when I was in Indy, Bill Polian and Tony Dungy. You know, Tony Dungy is such a humble person, and, um, you know, he, he doesn't have any ego. And, and then you had, you know, a guy like Bill Polian, the Hall of Fame general manager as the as a general manager at the time, obviously very good at what he did and uh, evaluating talent. They just I, I saw them talking a lot. You know, they were constantly talking, whether it be, you know, um, during a break in practice or whatever the case may be. So it seemed like they had a really good working relationship. Brian Billick, Ozzie Newsom. You know, my first four years in the NFL, I mean, Ozzy built that team. Ozzy drafted Ray Lewis, Jonathan Ogden in the first round. Um, so, like, he was very good at evaluating talent also. They worked really well together. I think it just takes people that don't have big egos, or at least one person can't have, you know, you can't have both people with big egos. Okay. I think so. If, the one, one big ego is okay. Right. Right. Just it's as long as the other one doesn't, right? And so, like, you look you look at our situation here. Yeah. George and Sean. <laughs> right. One of them is not like the other. Say? Which one would you say has the bigger ego? I think it's pretty obvious. Which one would you say? I right? would say Sean Payton has the larger ego. Okay. Relative to other egos. <laughs> okay. I, I think I'd probably agree with you. Like, George Payton seems like he's more reserved. There's not yeah. much of an ego there right. for him. So, I think this thing could work. I think it could work. Obviously, George Payton has to bring something to the table here. And 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 Sean Payton has to look at him and say, all right, I like you. Yeah. I like you. I think you can do a good job with me. Um, or, or he'll be gone. So I, I think when I look back and look at those dynamics between head coach and general manager, obviously you have to work well together. Because, look, you're, you're at practice. You're studying film. You're not following the waiver wire as a coach. Right. Right, and so you you need to trust and rely on your guy that he's doing a good job, and their staff's doing a good job of in season stuff, because that's also crucial. Because guess what, you're gonna have injuries. You have to put guys on IR. You have to be looking around and who you're gonna pick up and all these other things. So it's hard for a head coach to be able to do all that stuff, especially during the season. Yeah, Sean Payton talked a couple of days ago about um, the process they went through 
after cut down day, and there was what, you know, George Payton said, 1,400 guys just got let go. And they went through every one of those guys. They they sat there and talked about every single one of those dudes. And as a head coach, you can't know about every single one of those guys, right? right? You are relying on your GM and his and his staff to not only tell you about these players, but understand what your vision is, right? And then look for the type of players that fit into your vision. It's not just the players that he thinks are good players. It's the it's the players that he thinks are going to fit into what you're trying to do. Your scheme. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's why sometimes it, it you know, doesn't – it's 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 a hard thing to do when you keep on changing. Right? Yeah. Head coach right. to a never head coach to another head coach to this defense, that defense, this offense, because everyone likes different players. Now, I remember, I think it was last year – um, I think it was Dalton Reisner was talking about it as an offensive. I lost a lot of weight because in this system we want to be more um, right. athletic. Yeah, and it's more of a, a sideline to sideline running game. Well, in, in the system before it was more power game, so you wanted to bulk up, right? And so it's like it's hard. You got to, a sense of vertigo as a player, like you know, changing systems every year. Yeah, it's hard, yeah. but it's hard to be successful because right. now all of a sudden you know the GM's looking for different types of players. You know, George Payton's looking for different types of players this year than he did the year before with Nathaniel Hackett, than he did the year before with Vic Fangio. And so Sean Payton has a little grace towards George Payton because of that, right? Like, he understands the difficulties that he's been put in with these bad coaches over the last couple of years. You think so, he's showing him some grace? Nate? I think so. That's very well, he's, nice he's, of you. He stuck around. He didn't let him go. He didn't bring in his own guy right away. That is true. That says something, right? That that does. Um, but sometimes you just want to see how the relationship goes. Yeah. Try, you know, this is a trial year. So you think George has a 30-day trial? You know, yeah. you're like the 30-day trial? Money it's back free. guarantee? No, it's free. Yeah, it's free. Yeah. It's free until after, and then you forget to yeah. unsubscribe or whatever. or whatever. You don't right, just, like, it. just forgot about it. Just put it in the closet. Yeah. yeah. So that's, I, that, I mean, that's where you're at right now. You got a one-year trial run for George Payton. So you talked about the, the the dynamics that work best, in your opinion, and coincidentally it was the two teams you won Super Bowls with. Yep. Which ones were the ones that didn't work, that felt wrong? Well, you know, I was here with Mike. Obviously had a lot of success here. But other than that, you know, I had four years in, in Baltimore with Ozzie and, and, and Brian Billick, four years in Indy with Tony Dungy and, and Bill Polian. And then I came here and it was – Mike Shanahan and Ted Sundquist yep. for a little bit. And yep. then, then it was just kind of Mike. Good, Goodman brothers yeah. and um, Sanders. Right. So after that, I was just on one-year stints. Yeah. I showed up to Seattle like after the third week of the season. Mm-hmm. But look at them. Pete Carroll and um, John Snyder. Yep. Wow. They've gone on a great run. Yeah. And had a lot of success together. Uh, so, And I will say this about uh, uh, John Snyder. Like when I was done with the year there, he brought me into the office I had never had a general manager do that before. Uh, the year was over, brought me in, and, and was asking me the things that, you know, I like most about quarterbacks and mm. what, you know, all these different questions about um, quarterbacks. And uh, I thought that was really unique. So that, that just shows you, like, he's he was trying to learn, still learn, and, and pick players' brains and, and, and come up with how he's going to, you know, view his next quarterback. Which I thought was interesting, right? A general that manager was before Russell ended up there. Yeah, that was okay. before Russell. So this was in two thousand and ten. Mm. Two thousand ten. After the two thousand ten season, we went to the playoffs, won our first playoff game, lost our second game, and you know it was kind of like um, you know you have your end of the year meeting, right? Who was the quarterback? Matt Hasselbeck. Okay. 
but he was just asking me quarterback questions. You know, I guess they were probably going to be in the market for a quarterback. At, he knew they were at some point, and whether they would draft one or whatever, or get one in free agency. So I, th- I thought that was, you know, like, and then you look at the success that he's had. Yeah. Because it's not like I know everything. Right. Don't be that person. Right? Don't be the person that thinks they know everything. So what did you tell him? Were you that person? No. I didn't I'm learning. So. That's why I'm, that's, I'm just oh, all ears, man. That's why I got these big headphones. <laughs> so I can hear better. Um, but, but like, what, what, did they, what did they, what did you tell them about quarterbacks? What did I, you, I forgot. I well, forgot. Okay. So if I'm asking <laughs> but, you right but, now, but like, what do you I, like in a quarterback? Well, I, I like an accurate quarterback. I like a quarterback that's in control and command that um, knows his stuff. Um, uh, but I don't have a you know preference on a in the pocket mobile quarterback. I mean, because there's benefits for both. I mean, you like your quarterback to be mobile and make plays off script, right? But also like my quarterback to be in the pocket and be on time uh, when and accurate with the football. So which one's more important? Which one? I, well, I think they both can be successful. I just think. You know, it depends on the the scheme. Like you look at a guy like say Randall Cunningham, Steve Young, uh, Lamar Jackson. They can all be successful. And then you look at guys like Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger. Um, there's different ways to win and be successful, right? But what can what lends itself to longevity the most? Well, in in the pocket, I think because you, you you're taking less hits. Yeah. You know, the guy that's running around more obviously and, and running for first downs is is going to get hit more. Yeah. And those hits. Take their toll on. I mean, that's kind of what we're seeing with Russ a little bit. And is he really slowing down, or did his approach last year and how he wanted to try to be play the quarterback position? Which one is it? Uh, you know, where where we and hopefully it's the it's just the latter. Yeah, I mean, I agree. That last year it didn't look great when he. T- I wouldn't say it wouldn't didn't look great when he took off. Obviously, he was twenty pounds heavier. Yeah, and his body didn't couldn't withstand the type of action he was he was diving into. But he does look different. He does. I think it was just a disaster from everything that happened. Yeah. You know, and so I don't want to read too much into what it was and what, you know, made him play the way that he did. And and was it it because he, you know, put on too much weight? Was it Hackett? Um, Was it the offensive line taking all those hits? Like, I think it was a culmination of everything. And But now it's like, okay, that's done. We got we got a guy, Sean Payton. Russell's lost weight. Hopefully, it looks much better. Fifty five times he was sacked last year. It's a lot, Nate. A lot of games. hits. Yeah, he was actually Russell was sacked more times in his ten, first ten years in the league than Drew Brees was sacked in twenty years in the league. That's a that's a heck of a that's a and, heck of a stat. Yeah, because it shows like you're not going to play twenty years in the league if you get sacked fifty five times every year. You can't. Your body can't withstand it. So you putting that. On Russ, his style of play. Yeah, you know he's, he wants to make it happen. He wants to extend the play. He's, right. he's less likely to ditch. Have you ever seen Russell just ditch a ball? Not no, not not a lot. No, certainly no. no. But Drew Drew Brees would do that. Peyton would do that. Tom Brady would do that. But he believes in himself, right? I mean, he believes that he's gonna like that's not open. I'm gonna make a play. Do you like that? Do you not like that? Like, I like that for sure. When I, it works, right? Yeah, exactly. I like the idea that as a receiver. You're always fair game. That Russell always is going to be looking to make a play, and if he sees you down the field, and maybe you're covered, and maybe you're not the first read, he believes, and so he's going to give you a chance at that. I like that. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, when it works, so but when it when doesn't it works, work, but when you're turning down something that's right wide open that we practiced all week, that we all prepared for, sure, and and you're not even looking at that, that's what I would start to have a problem with. 
Right. You know, that's frustrating as a coach. Yeah. And, but when you're not able to escape like you used to escape, when yeah. you're not able to make those plays like you used to make those plays, right? That's when you run into these issues of these sacks and getting hurt, getting injured. And it looks awful. But, you know, so that's the thing. Can he find a way to get back to the old Russ? And Where, it's, when he gets out of the pocket, he's making plays and they're successful plays and they're not negative plays. And the old Russ never took any shots. He never took any hits. Mm-mm. He was so aware of the space around him and the players' conversion on him, he'd get down. Baseball slide. Get out of bounds. Understand the angles and not allow himself to get hit. I think that's what's really important uh, to his longevity now in, in the running game we talked about. Yeah. The running game. And um, we are going to get into that. But we are actually about to have Charles Johnson on. A couple minutes. In a couple minutes. But I see, I think last year, yeah, but one more thing on Russ here. Um like when you when you when you start playing bad and, and you're you're you start pressing right you try to make too much happen and I think yeah. that's what happened last year he was feeling so much pressure believe it believe it believe it believe to it to play well yeah and he he was getting attacked all over the place media former teammates and it it became one of those things that, to your point like he used to never take these big hits when he was running when he got out of the pocket and he started running, he was always, you know, sliding or getting out of bounds or, you know, uh, but but last year you saw Fighting him take, for extra yards and stuff. Right. Last yeah. year you saw him taking those extra hits. And I think about the Chiefs game where he's putting his body on the line trying to get that first down. Yeah. And next thing you know, he's got a knot the size of an orange on his head and has a concussion. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's just like a culmination of things that happened bad last year that um, hopefully it's just like – if you start playing a little bit better, guess what? You're not doing that against the Chiefs. You're sliding. It's okay. Fourth yep. and one. We'll make the play. But last year, if you didn't make the play on third down, you probably weren't going to make it on fourth down. So you put yourself in, in bad situations. Compl- it, was, it was a product, to me, also of the complicated offense that none of these guys really knew. These guys didn't know their offense well enough to rely on it when things broke down, and Russell put it all on himself. You know, I do have to make this play. But but part of the like the the difficulty I had watching Russ last year is like at some point you know your instinct as an awesome football player a Super Bowl winner nine time Pro Bowl QB you should be able to shake it all off and administer a game winning drive when you're only down one score like you should be able to will this win you should be able to carry us to victory when you are that good with those skins on the wall that much money we gave you that much to get you here. Shouldn't you say, all right, we got this. We're driving down the field and going to score and going to win this game. He wasn't able to do that last year. No, I mean, it was just a disaster. You know, I mean, I think it was. But I'm I'm not sitting here, you know, I, I don't blame it all on Hackett. I don't blame it all on Russ. I, I, it was just a bad storm. You know, it was a culmination of all, all these things coming together. It was just awful, right? I mean, it was just all, all bad. And I'm hoping that with the presence of Sean Payton, Right, a lot of that stuff gets fixed just with him, just by him being our head coach, and and we see better. But at the same time, I still have my things that I'm really, really nervous about here. Looking at this offense, like I don't care who your coach is, if your offensive line can't get it done, Nate, like, I mean, how are you going to play good offensive football, right? If if your quarterback is not t- going through the reads and the progressions and getting rid of the football on time, like you coach him to do, if he's not doing that then how good your offense going to be? Like, you can only make such an impact as a coach. Those guys have to go out there and do it. I think there will be a positive, um, you know, Sean Payton improvement that we see. But the guys still have to go out there and perform. 
we talk about that offensive line, you got a couple new additions that are exciting, but maybe haven't shown what you thought they were going to show early in training camp. I think uh, I think that's safe to say. Ben Powers, um, Mike McGlinchey, two offseason acquisitions that – Are you nervous about those two? How nervous are you? I'm more nervous about um, McGlinchey, I think, even though Ben Powers hasn't, hasn't looked like – you know, I was I was standing between Tyler Columbus and uh, and Ryan Harris watching training camp practice, and they were like concerned about Ben Powers and his technical issues, like yeah. in pass blocking. Um, it looked bad. Yeah. So, but to me, like the offensive line is is it takes some time to gel to to work out the communication to be get on the same page. That's the last thing that's going to come together. But so, my question to you, because I'm I'm curious. Um, a lot of times, it's just like me against you. Right. So, I mean, like, well, how, how much gelling do I need with my center or my tackle? Well, like, is, I'm, is I'm, just I'm asking you questions. I'm no, not, no, I know. I'm not giving – but, like, if I'm Ben Powers and it's a five-step drop, I'm blocking the defensive tackle over me. Who, like, I don't need to gel with anybody. I just need to get my job done. Well, I'm going to answer that in a little okay. bit. And uh, right now we got a special guest. The man, the myth, the legend. <laughs> Charles Johnson, CJ, oh, oh. host of the Black and Gold Weekly Podcast on DenverSports.com, joining us. What's going on, CJ? Nate, man, I, listen, I, you drew the short stick on this one, man. I don't know what bet you lo- lost or who you owe, but <laughs> God bless you, brother. CJ, are you down in Texas? <laughs> I am, man, and uh, it is hot as fish uh, grease down uh, here, bro. Uh, uh, what are we talking about? Are we in the hundreds? Is it sticky? What's going on? Let me see. Right now, it's uh, yeah, it's right at a hundred right now. It's uh, it's that muggy, nasty, swampy hot. You know that Louisiana, uh, you know, hot. Yes. Uh, how much of a factor do you think that's going to be tomorrow? It's a factor. You know, Stoke. You know how both you guys know how, especially early in the season, um, heat is going to be a factor. The good news is, I don't know that any one team, particularly it being the first game of the season, necessarily have an advantage. I mean, they practice in it more, obviously, than we do. But when you get out there and, and you're at game speed and the adrenaline is pumping, I think I don't, I'm not certain that uh, one team has an advantage over the other. Well, CJ, the Buffs have been front, you know, front page on ESPN since Dion arrived. There's a lot of hype. There's a lot of hope. There's a lot of expectations. We're going to get to see an actual product out there tomorrow. What do you actually expect to see? I know the Buffs are, you know, twenty and a half point underdogs, but what are what are you expecting to see from the Buffs? You know, I think at this point there are no expectations necessarily. It's so early and. There's been such a turn, a flip with the with the roster, and the whole culture is different. So I think, as opposed, you know, I think expectations would be putting it the wrong way. It's more curiosity and and you know optimism. Um, I, because I don't know what to expect. I've had a chance to watch this team in practice, but again, as you guys know, that's just one thing. I tell you what's different though. They got some guys who can catch it. They got some Stokes and Nates out there. That some guys who can catch it and make plays. Uh, unlike what we've seen, uh, you know. And I'm not putting anyone down, but it's not been that level of talent on the field for the Buffs in in several years. I mean, this Edwards kid from Kansas that uh, that we beat Notre Dame out uh, for is is tremendous. Uh, Horn Jr. This guy right here is a catch and go guy. And I'm going to tell you guys, I know there's been a lot said about Travis Hunter, but I don't know if you all had a chance to put your eyeballs on him. This kid is really special on both sides. So uh, that's different. But how it all comes together with Shador under, you know, at the helm, 
um, you know, we'll we'll see in less than 24 hours. It's been fun. I mean, it's been fun following it from afar. I'm sure for you, CJ, uh, being you know right there and an alumni of CU, it's got to be it's got to be awesome with the excitement and where this program has been. You just mentioned him, CJ Travis Hunter. You know the five star recruit um, transferred over. Uh, how much how much could we see him on the offensive side of the ball because he's a dual threat player, right? You know, I, I had um, I had Sean Lewis, the offensive coordinator, on the show as you all know on the uh, Black and Gold podcast this week, and. Um, you know, I, I think he's primarily a cornerback, but I, my guess is you'll see him on about 50% of the uh, offensive snaps. He's just that dynamic. Guys, I was at a scrimmage. I, I saw him break on a dig route, break it up. I mean, just just on top of it. It's like he was sitting on it. He anticipated the route. Two plays later, I didn't realize he had switched to the offensive side of the ball. He catches a 55-yard bomb over the shoulder catch, and I'm thinking, wait a minute. He just had a different color jersey on two plays ago. He's that kind of dynamic. And uh, I don't want to overstate it because we have to see it play out. But the kid is special, man. And I think you'll see him play. He's primarily a corner. But you'll see him. We have to play him on the offensive side of the ball because he's that dynamic. CJ, we've heard a lot about this skill position, players coming in uh, to the buffs. But what about the big boys, the battles in the yeah. trenches? Are, are, are the buffs going to be able to establish the line of scrimmage? Because, you know, Shadur Sanders is going to be uh, stepping up to a, a new kind of level of football. And, you know, the quarterback's best friend is a strong offensive line and a running game. Are they going to be able to establish the line of scrimmage? I think that's that's the big question that um, that we're all waiting to see. I think on the defensive side of the ball, and I'm really excited about uh, that the the pass rushing ability of this team. You got some guys who can go get the quarterback, proven guys who played in big time programs uh, before coming to Colorado. One of my uh, former teammates, Art Walker, his son uh, Arden Walker, who transferred in from Missouri, played his high school ball at Cherry Creek, right right here in Denver is um, is going to be uh, someone to watch out for as well. The offensive side, there's a bunch of question marks we don't know. Uh, and as you all know as well, scheme has a lot to do with that. If it's just, it's not like it was 30 years ago or 20 years ago when you put big on big and the best big wins. A lot of it has to do with offensive scheme. I know CU wants to, wants, uh, wants to play at pace. Um, there are certain things you can do to, um, to, create, to create advantages in the run game. And, uh, Nate, I think you nailed it. I think we have to run the ball well. We got some pretty dynamic backs as, as well. Watch out for a kid named Cavassier Smoke. Cavassier. Oh, oh, Cavassier yes. Smoke. You can imagine what his, Love it. what his parents were doing about the time <laughs> he was born. But, uh, wow. <laughs> but this Cavassier to the uh, house. He, yeah, right, right. He uh, transferred in from Kentucky. Uh, there's a kid from Houston, uh, McAllister who was a 1,000-yard back a year ago for Houston, um, University of Houston. So there's some proven talent on this team at that position as well. Um, so we'll see. But, I, you know, I think your intuition is right. we got to run the ball uh, in order to uh, open things up, get, a, get some single high looks and, and make them uh, stop us up front so that we can exploit uh, the def- the back end of the defense with some of these new skill position players. And that's the voice of my former partner, Charles Johnson, host of the Black and Gold weekly podcast right here on DenverSports.com. CJ, well, uh, I hadn't got your thoughts on uh, CU moving, leaving the Pac-12 um, and going to the uh, Big 12. Uh, wh- what were your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, it was it was 
table stakes in college football this year. And so my overall thought on it is, you know, I'm a, a Stoke, you know, we're, we're all kind of old school. We, we like what we grew up in. Uh, and so from that perspective, the overall from, you know, if we look at it from 30,000 feet, it all kind of bothers me. But what it really points out is that the world is different now. And I think, in a way, the NCAA and, and a lot of the schools, the partner schools, have just been lying to us for, you know, the better part of a generation. It's about the money, and they can't hide that truth anymore. So as a result, you got UCLA and USC playing Midwest football. you got Stanford and uh, now Cal, I think, playing uh, Southeast football in the ACC. you got, I mean, it's, 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 it's a... It's a a chase for the dollar. Here's what I would say, though. And when we talk about the impact of Coach Prime, I'm not 100% certain, guys, that if Coach Prime isn't hired in December, that CU would have been a brand that was attractive to the Big 12 Conference in, you know, what month? July. I'm not right. certain that that would be the case. So if you think about his impact beyond recruiting and coaching and all the stuff we've been talking about, he may have saved our, our, our backsides a little bit on this one because we were uh, dead on arrival. And, you know, this is from a guy who bleeds black and gold, but we were DOA uh, before he got here. And, and what he's done and the impact that he's had on the visibility, not just of the, uh, the program itself, but obviously the visibility of the conference he participates in, I guarantee you had a lot to do with the Big 12 sending us that invite. Incredible impact from Dion in a short amount of time. All right, before we get out of here, CJ, give us your prediction. What happens tomorrow? What happens this season for the Buffs? Well, look, I've heard I've heard predictions all across the <laughs> landscape. I think two and a half. I heard something like two and a half was over under from Vegas. Three and a half. Which I think is absurd. Was it three and a half? Yeah. I was going to jump on that two and a half. No, but I, I'll, jump on that <laughs> I'll jump on that three and there a half. You go. I, I think this is, I think this is at, at the very least, a five-win team. If we get to six, Nate and Stoke, I'm hosting the ticker tape parade downtown Uh-oh. my crib. Uh-oh. So Love it. We, I, it. It could happen, man. So you guys just wait for your invite. But, but if, as for tomorrow, I, I think, again, I, I have no prediction. It's more... Let's see what the product looked like. Let's see where it's, where the starting point is, and then I could project uh, project out beyond that. The good news yesterday was uh, you know those those bug eaters from Nebraska. Yeah, so that's always good. That's always a good great story. news. Great news. Thanks for joining us, buddy. We'll be watching tomorrow. It's going to be great to see how this thing unfolds. CJ, appreciate you. CJ, how much barbecue oh, have you eaten? Uh, you know, I'm I'm still thirty anyway. <laughs> that's a lie. You know. That's a I lie. Mean, hey, I, hey, I had a power bowl for breakfast, bro, with some quinoa. <laughs> Is that how you pronounce it? Quinoa. Yeah, sure. Sounds good. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks, CJ. Thank right, you, CJ. Man. There he goes. Love you guys. Be good now. All right, Charles Johnson, host of the Black and Gold Weekly Podcast. He's down there in Texas right now. You can check that out on the denversports.com website. All right, we're going to get back to the Broncos here. Does Russell Wilson need to be elite this year for the Broncos to win and to have a chance at the playoffs? That's next. Never made it as a wise man. I couldn't cut it as a poor man stealing. Tired of living like a blind man. I'm sick of sight without a sense of feeling. And this is how you remind me of what I really am. This is how you are. The greatest band of our generation. Well, this is them and Creed, right? I'm here. I mean, you would not 
like know all these lyrics if, you didn't, if there weren't a good band. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's true because I really? know I know a lot of the lyrics of bad music. That, no, songs that you don't like. Not that I don't like, but that aren't necessarily good. Like Christina Aguilera, I uh, you know there's right. all these pop songs I know them. Okay, because I just like absorb music in a right. way. Like that's my superpower. Yeah. Genie in a bottle. Got to rub it the right way. Got to rub it the right way, man. Yeah. You uh-huh. know what I mean? Like, it was a great song. Yeah. Like Backstreet Boys. NC- I don't have any of their music. I don't have any of it, but I know it. Okay. Like, I don't have any Nickelback music. I've never yeah. bought a Nickelback album. How many Nickelback albums do you own? Um, I don't think I ever bought um, any of their albums. So uh, but I purchased some of their songs. Yeah. For, like, my... Um, what are those? Like, the, 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 the Nano... Um, yeah. Like Napster? No. Yeah, like the iPod iPod deal. Yeah, Yeah. the Nano, and like that was a small one. And then the, so I bought like music though of theirs, like on the iTunes. Right. So you supported them? Yes, heck yeah. I'm still Um, supporting them. Are they on like your golf mix? Like when you you play music on the golf course? Yeah. Was there a point at which you thought that was like no a no no? Like the first person who brought a speaker out, were you like, what are you doing, man? Um, I don't recall that. No, I don't recall that. Just as long as you play it, like, you know, you're not playing it too, too loud, right? I mean, is there a style of music that's unacceptable on a golf course? Um, I don't know. I don't know about that to each his own. Metal, like Metallica, would that be cool on the golf course? I mean, just keep it low. Yeah. To each his own, right? right? I mean, like, that's your style, I guess. You know, I mean, I don't think you really see many, like, headbangers out on the golf course that are, you know, like, playing, you know, the, John Daly probably likes that. Maybe so. Yeah. Maybe so. What do you, do you think Russell Wilson likes Nickelback? Oh, yeah. yeah absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, who, who doesn't? They played at his wedding. Thing. Who doesn't, honestly? A lot of people don't. Come on. A lot of people don't. I, I think they deep down they do. They like. I'm just going to be more, um, I'm going to be honest with you, like Nickelback, I've always made fun of Nickelback. Like me and my friends have made fun of Nickelback. Yeah, why? Because they're corny, See, like, dude. They're, like, no, let me tell you why. We call it butt rock. It's butt rock. <laughs> um, TMI. Okay, just no. It's just like I, 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 I don't even want to know. I don't. Even, His I, name's Chad, and we. I, 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 well, what's wrong with Chad? I don't Goodness, he's Canadian. What's wrong with Canadians? Nothing. You're down on Canadians, and you're I'm down just on Chad. It, I'm just put it, add it to the list. Uh, but see, I see. Here, here's the thing with you and your friends. One of your friends said they didn't like it, no. and everyone else said like, Yeah, I don't like it either, man. But deep down. Deep down in your heart, you love it. No. You really do like it. It just became one of those things. And then that person says it, then it gets out on the internet, and and everyone's like, yeah, Nickelback stinks. And it's like, but they they really do have like you ever, it. Have you ever seen them live? I haven't. I missed them. They just came to, to town not long ago, okay. but just could not venture downtown to go watch it. Well, you have certain thoughts about downtown. Mm-hmm. It, it, it takes time to, to not get my car stolen. To get you down there. Try not to get my car stolen, Nate, like yep. you did. Yep, I had a Twice. club on it and everything. Yeah. The club didn't matter, really. They, no, they hacked right through that. With what? With chainsaw? You, that yeah, chainsaw yeah. in the back. It, it right. was in the back. So that, cha- that the cl- I thought the club was, like, indestructible. I thought so, too, until it met its match. This tweaker who stole my car. The chainsaw. He was a man with special skills. Yeah. Clearly. Living a double life. Is Russell Wilson living a double life? And will he be able to put that other life away to become an elite quarterback in 2023? Not only will he be elite, but does he even need to be elite, Brandon Stokely, for the Denver Broncos to fa- find success? Well, I mean, I think the real question, Nate, is can he be elite? 
I mean, uh, do the Broncos need him to be? No, I mean, no. I, I don't think so to be successful to have a a, a good season. No, I, I mean, I don't think he has to like elite. You're, you're talking about like top five quarterback in the league. Sure. I don't think so. I think I think he could play. Just be a good, solid quarterback. Um, you know, a how about a, a around the tenth quarterback in the league? Is Jalen Hurts elite? He was last year. Yeah. Okay. Can Russell so, Wilson do what Jalen Hurts did last year? No. Why? Because Jalen Hurts was a he was running the football all over the place. Like he he was a, he was a huge part of their running game, right? And so I don't think Russ has that anymore. Not not to that degree. Um, so and then Jalen Hurts, to be fair, had better weapons around him. You know, you have AJ Brown, you have Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard. Uh, and and a really good running, really really good offensive line and good running game, right? Some good running backs. So now they got Alberto. Now they got Alberto. So I, uh, I, you know, I want to put that in some context for Russ, but I don't think Russ has to be an elite quarterback for the Broncos to have success. Now he's got to do the little things. He's got to make the plays that are in front of him, um, and not turn the football over. Those types of things. Uh, but elite? No, I don't. I don't think so. You, you think he has to be elite? I don't. I don't, and I think that's a refreshing message for him to hear. I think last year he thought he did. He thought he had to be not just elite. He had to be the best football player who's ever lived, and it's all on you, Russell. Like, we're going to ride you to the promised land, and if and if you can't do that for us, we have no chance. But I think that Sean Payton, the messages he's delivered to these players, not just Russell Wilson, was, you know, it's kind of like the do your job and stop making stuff up. If you just do your job, don't feel like you got to do everything. Do your job, and we're going to be fine because the scheme is airtight. The players know where they're supposed to be when they're supposed to be there. There's an accountability. Everyone's doing things the right way. I don't need you to think you have to do more than your job. If you do your job as a football player, we're all going to find success. That's why I've always like kind of bristled at the way the quarterback narrative has gone. Um, to me, it's gone off the rails when you talk about football. It's like there's one guy and one guy only who can deliver us to the promised land. Like, he's the savior. He's We're waiting for this guy. And ever since Peyton Manning left the building, we've been trying to find a replacement for Peyton. And to me, that was wrong-headed. You can't replace Peyton. He's a, he's, he's a one-of-one. Yeah? Yeah. you got to find a guy who works with the team you're on. Like, you know, I played with Jake Plummer. He was not like Peyton Manning. But we found success every year he was our starter. You know, um, yes, we lost you guys in the playoffs, two round, two two years in a row. But we were ten and six, ten and six, thirteen and three, seven and four when he got benched. I think we're moving in the right direction. Yeah, playing good football. So I think that that's a better comp for Russell Wilson, Jake Plummer to the Denver Broncos at that era than trying to be Peyton Manning. But the problem is, um, you know, you know, also like, look, Jake Plummer had Ed. He had Rod. Yeah, he had Rod. Um, he had Ed for one year. He had Ed for one year, yeah. yeah. So um, you had a really good running game. Very good. You know, so, like, you have to have some things around you that uh, are better than what the Broncos have had. I think is is kind of, like, if you have that type of quarterback, a, um, let's just say, not a, not a you know, a top five quarterback, a top three quarterback, not not one of those upper elite quarterbacks, if to be successful, you need to help those quarterbacks out a little bit. And that's Russ. You need to help Russ out a little bit. But those other things have to be working. Like this offensive line has to help Russ out. Yes. They have to do a better job. Um, you have to establish that run game. And then the receivers and tight ends need to make some plays. So I, I think you, you need people around um, 
rust to to pick up their game. And it starts up front with the offensive line. It starts up front with that offensive line, 55 sacks, too much. you got to keep that guy clean. And some of them are, in, are on him, Absolutely. right? Certainly. He's pressing uh, the spin button like five times back right. there, like yeah. Tecmo Bowl running 30 yards back and throwing it downfield. It doesn't work in the NFL. It does it not. It worked on Tecmo Bowl, but not in the NFL in real life. You know what I'm excited about right now? Um, what would you be excited about right now? I, I, wait, let me guess. Has probably something to do with, like, cars? Yes, the Good Guys Car oh, Show. Oh, my goodness. I did it again. <laughs> the 25th. Good Guys Car Show presented by Grundy Insurance Colorado Nationals, Griot's Garage. It's America's favorite car show, and it's returning to the Rockies for its 40th anniversary season of cool cars, cool people, and good times. Grab your family and friends. Head on out to the Ranch Events Complex in Loveland the weekend of September 8th through the 10th for the good guys 25th. Grundy Car Insurance Colorado Nationals presented by Griot's Garage. See over 2,000 of the country's finest 1998 and older hot rods, trucks, customs, muscle cars, and classics on display. Check out Good Guys Classic Performance Products Autocross Racing Series action featuring the Western State Shootout on Saturday. Swap the, uh, shop the swap meet, cars for sale, corral, and vendor midway. Enjoy live music and bring the little ones to the free kids zone for complete details and to register your vehicle or purchase tickets. Visit goodguys.com. That's G-O-O-D slash G-U-Y-S dot com. Hang with the good guys where the real car people come to play. Right now, we're giving away four tickets to this awesome car show. Pick up that phone that's in your hand and dial the number right now, 303-713-1043. Right now, four tickets to the good guys car show. Okay. Sean Payne was asked a really interesting question. Some of the questions he's asked in these press conferences aren't that interesting. Someone asked him, did you miss the game planning part? When you were on Fox last year, did you miss the game planning part of coaching? And you guys got to hear what he said. That's next. Are you a JT guy? I'm not. No? Not really. Like down, don't like him. Um, He's fine. He's okay. Like where are you at with JT? There's someone who has, you know, I liked him with NSYNC. <laughs> I thought they were a good band, putting out some good music. You know, them and the Backstreet Boys had some epic battles. You know, took it to the wire. Yeah. But then when he went solo, to the wire. Yeah, took it down. Like, just, I mean, who, who, NSYNC or Backstreet Boys? Who do you, who do you prefer? Got to be NSYNC. You think so? Yeah. Although the Backstreet Boys has I Want It That Way, which is probably the best song uh, either of them have ever done. Oh, really? In my opinion. Okay. The most iconic um, long-lasting, timeless. Yeah. I don't have I mean, you can list, do bye, so bye, bye, but, you know, like. Yeah. That's pretty good. <laughs> but it's all, like, choreographed dance stuff. Like, um, So, JT, great dancer, great entertainer. Yeah. But a little too, for me, corny. As you can tell, that's a theme with me. I know. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. JT's just a little bit, a little too polished for me. I like a little bit more, you know. I don't know, but but I but I know he's trying to be like Michael Jackson. He's cut from that same cloth. Like I'm a f- complete entertainer. I'm the triple threat. I could sing. I could dance. Right. I can act. I get it. I appreciate his talent, Doesn't but I don't like ever it. find myself being like, like, oh, he's funny it. or whatever. Um, so no, I don't like Justin Timberlake. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, what I, goes I, around I, comes around is a good song though. There's yeah. a, there's. A, I mean, I'm bringing sexy back, but did did sexy ever leave? Right, that's true. Like, that's come on, what are you question. saying? Like, how big is your ego? We're like, you're the only guy who could be sexy around here? Huh. Like, I, Interesting. I, I'm sexy, yeah, right? I, I I'm sexy too, right? I don't know about that, Nate. Um, nah, I'm, I'm a JT fan. You know, I'm not like, 
It's not top five, but yeah. Do you 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 have a top five? I would have to think about it. Yeah, I do. All right, but I'm not ready to give it out. No, nor should you be. Yeah. That's not the type of stuff you just give out. No, you got to think. Yeah, there needs to be there needs to be some thought there. I also asked you about your top five receivers you ever. You played. did. Yeah. Yeah. Have you put any thought to that? No. Okay. No, I have. So we got a couple lists you got to yes, compile. I know. We got we got some lists I got to think about. Well, we got some other stuff to talk about anyway, so you Perfect. can think about those lists. But um, Sean Payne was asked a very interesting question a couple days ago about uh, if he missed the game planning part of uh, coaching while he was working with Fox. Here's what he said: What you miss is you miss finding something, and then it comes up in the game. And then you win the game by whatever, and you realize, you know, how significant. So all of us offensively within the framework of our offense are, are, you know, diving into the opponent, you know, finding the right balance in week one of not having too much, but good answers. And, uh, yeah, there's a little serenity. There's some quiet to the evenings where you're watching tape and um, and you, you see th- certain things, you know, you're always looking for behavior patterns from the opponents. And so when you're able to find something and then you see it work in a game, that, that's pretty fulfilling. And uh, it's hard to it's hard to get that anywhere else. This is where his experience comes into play. Yeah. Sitting and finding tendencies, finding little weak spots on a team, and then exploiting that and having that lead to victory. Yep. And, and that is like as a – you know, I coached a couple of years um, in high school. I coached, uh, you know, some Pop Warner, my kid, growing up. Um, and it is. It's, it doesn't matter what level you're coaching at. But, like, if you watch film and you find something and then you put it in and your team goes out there and executes it and it works, and whether it leads to a win or just to a touchdown or to a first down, whatever it is, that's a great feeling. You know, that's, like, awesome. Like, and so um, – but he's right. You can't really find that doing anything else. You know, like, oh, my oh my goodness, I just, you know, uh, last night I thought about this great segment for our show. Yeah. Right? You know, I mean, that feels good, but it's not like, you know. <laughs> not as good. Right. It's not as, like, uh, as good as, you know, what I saw with their, when their defense does this. You know, we'll, be, we'll, we'll have this play in or. Uh, I think this play will work against what they're doing. Those types of things, it's, uh, it is. It's, and, and like I said, it didn't matter if it was Pop Warner, high school, or if you do college or the NFL, it's still a, a great feeling when that stuff works. So when you were a player, we watch a lot of film as players, right? But we're not like the coaches up there trying to put the game plan together, really trying to see all this, all this stuff that you're trying to connect to your game plan and coming up with wrinkles and this and that. As a player, you are told basically what the plan is, and then you watch the film that they want you to watch, and they point out the things they want you to see. Were you a player who relied on the film a lot? Like, did you love watching film as a player? Or were you like, man, like, it's too much. Like, what are we doing here? I, I know what I'm doing. Where did yeah. you fall on the film stuff? Because Peyton and Notorious, you know, love to dive into the film. Some players do, but some players are like, no, I don't need to see yeah. that. I'd rather react instinctively. I'd let Peyton do all the film watching. Yeah. Um, I didn't watch a ton of film. Probably could have watched more. But I, I wanted to just go out there and I kind of wanted to know what the guys uh, I was going up against. You just want to know, you know, what type of player they are as far as are they aggressive? Yeah. Are they more passive? Are they, you know, do they like to get their hands on you? Are they more, you know, all those those little things. And then just go out there and play. I don't want to just be, you know, uh, overthinking everything and uh, because I watch so much film. So I think there's a fine line. There was for me anyway. Some players probably like to watch a ton of film uh, and, and it works for them. It just didn't work for me. Um, I just felt like if I knew what that guy was doing, um, 
then then I'd be fine. So I didn't want to over um, overthink things. Uh, so that that's kind of the way I was. How about you? Did you watch a lot way. of film? No, I watched the film that they put on in front of us. Yeah. You know, they'd send us home with the DVDs, like, check these right. guys out. And sometimes I'd pop it in. It would be, mostly be for the individual matchups you're talking about. Like, the guy who's special teams, the guy who's going to be blocking me, the guy who I'm trying right. to block. What kind of guy yeah. is he? Who, his physicality. Like you said, like, what are his physical attributes that I'm going to need to be able to exploit? But, like, what you talked about earlier is interesting because, you know, when you said – forget which coach, but they asked you about what Peyton's signals and all that stuff would be, and you're, you're like, he's going to be two steps ahead of us here, guys. He knows this conversation's happened, so he's going to change his tendencies right. and change the words. And so how much of, like, you know, if you watch a ton of film, how much of that is going to be pointless because they're going to change the tendencies you think you're finding there. Right. And they're going to exploit what you thought you learned on film. Especially when I was in Indy also. It didn't matter what the team did the previous, you know, usually you watch like three weeks of film, like the la- the right. previous three weeks, right? Yeah. It didn't matter what they did those three weeks. They were always going to play us differently. Right. With our passing game and what we could do. So we were going to see something totally different than what they did the previous three weeks anyway. So it's like learn your guy, who you're going up against, and then just go play football. Don't overthink it. The question is, will, will Russell, who is – an instinctive player who makes plays off schedule and likes to trust his instinct and get out of the pocket and make things happen, believe it, believe it, believe it, believe it, believe it, will Russell Wilson be able to stick to the plan and do the thing that Sean Payton has spent all week preparing for, found on the other team, placed it in the game plan, talked about it in the meeting, worked on it on the practice field, corrected it on Thursday, did it again on Friday, mm. and then on Sunday it's on a platter there it is. in front of you, and Russell turns it down. Right. What happens then? That's a, I mean, that's a great question. How does Sean handle it? How, how does he, um, you know, react in, in those situations? You know, is it is that the breaking point where I'm done with this guy? I, I, I just gave him a layup, and he dropped it. You know, he missed it. So, um, and we saw a few of those last year from Russ. You know, you think about the Colts game. It was a nice call. Great call mm. from Hackett. Like, boom, it's there, Russ. KJ Handler. Why, why, why are you looking to Cortland? You should be looking over here to the right side of the field. So plays like that will drive a coach crazy. Yeah. Um, because that's that's the difference between winning and losing. And so we'll see what Sean Payton's patience is here with uh, Russell Wilson if that comes up this year. And plays like that are what make me skeptical about the Russell Wilson reclamation sure. project. Because, shoot, you should be able to make that read no matter who your coach is. Yeah, you're a pro. You're a nine-time Pro Bowler. That's the obvious thing. Sometimes the easy answer is the best answer. But for Russell Wilson, it's not just about him. It's about his receivers, his tight ends, his running backs making plays. Who's going to step up for the Broncos this year on the offense? That's next.